And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 270. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. By the way, we're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. And we are doing a mythology episode this week. And normally, you guys have been used to me kind of launching right into the stories at the very beginning of the show, going through the stories, and then having a little bit of commentary at the end, sometimes moving on to do something else, sometimes not, depending on the length of the story. But this is a change in venue, so I think it deserves to, uh, to have a little bit of an introduction. Uh, as you know, nine episodes ago, we finished Kevin Crossley Holland's The Norse Myths after 200-odd episodes, and we're now launching into a new book, Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology. Now, I must admit right up front that I have a little bit of trepidation in going into readings of this, in part because the work is new and not 50 years old like Kevin Crossley Holland's adaptations, and who knows who's listening. So just be aware that I intend to read the entire work, but if I am to get a cease and desist, I'm going to cease and desist. Um, and you know, I, I just have certain concerns over, over copyright, over the limitations of fair use, because there are limitations to fair use. But I will you know, put out there right up front that I do not intend to violate copyright. That's not what I do. And, and a lot of podcasters, including myself, kind of skim the line a little bit in their coverage of, of various uh, materials that they, they cover on their show. But I'm just hoping that uh, you know, it all goes swimmingly and we can all enjoy reading from, from this, this book. If not, then we're going to have to move on to something else, which I don't really want to do because I think this, this is a delightful book from what I've seen of it. Now, I do want to talk about the book itself a little bit. Kevin Crossley Holland's book, which we just finished covering nine episodes ago, is a fairly dense piece of work. It is a scholarly work meant to be read and studied. Now, Neil Gaiman is a different type of writer than Kevin Crossley Holland. While Kevin Crossley Holland is, you could argue, a poetic writer, he is mostly a, a scholar. He's an academic. Neil Gaiman tends to be more an entertainer, a storyteller. He wants to make the story interesting and engaging. I have my own concerns that I can make it as interesting and engaging as Neil Gaiman does. Perhaps my reading of it will, will be as good as, as Gaiman deserves, and perhaps it won't. But anyway, I, I do um, look forward to covering this, and I do hope that you all enjoy it. And without any further ado, we are going to move ahead with our first reading. Before the Beginning and After Before the beginning there was nothing, 
No earth, no heavens, no stars, no sky. Only the mist world, formless and shapeless, and the fire world always burning. To the north was Niflheim, the dark world. Here eleven poisonous rivers cut through the mist, each springing from the same well at the center of it all, the roaring maelstrom called Fergomir. Niflheim was colder than cold, and the murky mist that cloaked everything hung heavily. The skies were hidden by mist, and the ground was clouded by the chilly fog. To the south was Muspel. Muspel was fire. Everything there glowed and burned. Muspel was light where Niflheim was gray. Molten lava where the mist world was frozen. The land was aflame with the roaring heat of a blacksmith's fire. There was no solid earth, no sky. Nothing but sparks and spurting heat, molten rocks and burning embers. In Muspel, at the edge of the flame, where the mist burns into light, where the land ends, stood Surt, who existed before the gods. He stands there now. He holds a flaming sword, and the bubbling lava and the freezing mist are as one to him. It is said that at Ragnarok, which is the end of the world, and only then, Surtur will leave his station. He will go forth from Muspel with his flaming sword and burn the world with fire. And one by one, the gods will fall before him. Between Muspel and Niflheim was a void, an empty place of nothingness without form. The rivers of the mist world flowed into the void which was called Genunga Gap, the Yawning Gap. Over time beyond measure, three poisoned rivers in the region between fire and mist slowly solidified into huge glaciers. The ice in the north of the void was covered in frozen fog and pellets of hail. But to the south, where the glaciers reached the land of fire, the embers and the sparks from Muspel met the ice, and warm winds from the flame lands made the air above the ice as gentle and as comfortable as a spring day. Where the ice and the fire met, the ice melted, and in the melting waters life appeared. The likeness of a person bigger than worlds, huger than any giant there will be or ever has been. This was neither male, nor was it female, but was both at the same time. This creature was the ancestor of all the giants, and it called itself Ymir. Ymir was not the only living thing to be formed by the melting of ice. There was also a hornless cow, more enormous than the mind could hold. She licked the salty blocks of ice for food and for drink, and the milk that ran from her four udders flowed like rivers. It was this milk that nourished Ymir. The giant drank the milk and grew. Ymir called the cow Adumla. The cow's pink tongue licked people from the blocks of ice, the first day only a man's hair, the second his head, and the third day the shape of a whole man was revealed. This was Buri, the ancestor of the gods. Ymir slept, and while it slept it gave birth. A male and a female giant were born from beneath Ymir's left arm, a six-headed giant born from its legs. From these Ymir's children, all giants are descended. Buri took a wife from among these giants, and they had a son whom they called Bor. Bor married Bestla, daughter of a giant, and together they had three sons, Odin, Vili, and Ve. Odin and Vili and Ve, 
the three sons of Bor grew into manhood. They saw as they grew far off the flames of Muspel and the darkness of Niflheim, but they knew that each place would be death to them. The brothers were trapped forever in Ganunga Gap, the vast gap between the fire and the mist. They might as well have been nowhere. There was no sea and no sand, no grass nor rocks, no soil, no trees, no sky, no stars. There was no world, no heaven, and no earth at that time. The gap was nowhere, only an empty place waiting to be filled with life and with existence. It was time for the creation of everything. Ve and Vili and Odin looked at each other and spoke of what was needful to do there in the void of Ganunga Gap. They spoke of the universe and of life and of the future. Odin and Vili and Ve killed the giant Emir. It had to be done. There was no other way to make the worlds. This was the beginning of all things, the death that made all life possible. They stabbed the great giant. Blood gushed out from Ymir's corpse in unimaginable quantities. Fountains of blood as salt as the sea and gray as the oceans gushed out in a flood so sudden, so powerful, and so deep that it swept away and drowned all the giants. Only one giant, Bergomir, Ymir's grandson, and his wife survived by clambering into a wooden box which bore them like a boat. All the giants we see and we fear today are descended from them. Odin and his brothers made the soil from Ymir's flesh. Ymir's bones they piled up into mountains and cliffs. Our rocks and pebbles, the sand and gravel you see, these were Ymir's teeth and the fragments of bones that were broken and crushed by Odin and Vili and Ve in their battle with Ymir. The seas that girdle the worlds, these were Ymir's blood and his sweat. Look up into the sky. You are looking at the inside of Ymir's skull. The stars you see at night, the planets, all the comets and the shooting stars, these are the sparks that flew from the fires of Muspel. And the clouds you see by day, these were once Ymir's brains. And who knows what thoughts they are thinking even now. The world is a flat disk and the sea encircles the perimeter. Giants live at the edges of the world beside the deepest seas. To keep the giants at bay, Odin and Vili and Ve made a wall from Ymir's eyelashes and set it around the middle of the world. They called the place within the wall Midgard. Midgard was empty. The lands were beautiful, but nobody walked the meadows or fished in the clear waters. Nobody explored the rocky mountains or stared up at the clouds. Odin and Vili and Ve knew that a world is not a world until it is inhabited. They wandered high and low looking for people and they found nothing. At last, on the rocky shingle at the edge of the sea, they found two logs, sea-tossed but they had floated there on the tides and been cast ashore. The first log was a log of ashwood. The ash tree is resilient and handsome and its roots go deep. Its wood carves well and will not split or crack. Ashwood makes a good tool handle or the shaft of a spear. The second log they found beside the first on the beach, so close to the first log they were almost touching, was a log of elm wood. The elm tree is graceful, but its wood is hard enough to be made into the toughest planks and beams. 
you can build a fine home or hall from elm wood. The gods took the two logs. They set the logs so they were upright on the sand, the height of people. Odin held them, and one by one he breathed life into them. No longer were they dead logs on a beach. Now they were alive. Vili gave them will. He gave them intelligence and drive. Now they could move and they could want. Ve carved the logs. He gave them the shape of people. He carved their ears that they might hear and their eyes that they might see and lips that they might speak. The two logs stood on the beach, two naked people. They had carved one with male genitals, the other he had carved female. The three brothers made clothes for the woman and the man to cover themselves and to keep them warm in the chilly sea spray on the beach at the edge of the world. Last of all, they gave the two people they had made names. The man they called Ask, or Ash Tree. The woman they called Embla, or Elm. Ask and Embla were the father and the mother of all of us. Every human being owes its life to its parents and their parents and their parents before them. Go far enough back, and the ancestors of each of us were Ask and Embla. Embla and Ask stayed in Midgard, safe behind the wall the gods had made from Ymir's eyelashes. In Midgard, they would make their homes, protected from giants and monsters and all the dangers that wait in the wastes. In Midgard, they could raise their children in peace. That is why Odin is called the All-Father, because he was the father of the gods, and because he breathed the breath of life into our grandparents' grandparents' grandparents. Whether we are gods or mortals, Odin is the father of us all. Part 2 Yggdrasil and the Nine Worlds The ash tree Yggdrasil is a mighty ash tree, the most perfect and beautiful of all trees, also the largest. It grows between the nine worlds and joins them each to each. It is the biggest of all the trees there are and the finest. The tops of its branches are above the sky. It is so large that the roots of the ash are in three worlds and is fed by three wells. The first root in the deepest goes into the underworld, to Niflheim, the place that existed before other places. In the center of the dark world is the ever-churning spring, Vergomir, so loud it sounds like a roaring kettle. The dragon Needhog lives in these waters and it is always gnawing at the root from below. The second route goes to the realm of the frost giants, to the well that belongs to Mimir. There is an eagle who waits at the highest branches of the world tree and who knows many things, and a hawk who perches between the eagle's eyes. A squirrel, Ratatosk, lives in the branches of the world tree. It takes gossip and messages from Needhog, the dread corpse eater, to the eagle and back again. The squirrel tells lies to both of them and takes joy in provoking rage. There are four stags who graze on the huge branches of the world tree, devouring the foliage and the bark. There are uncountable snakes at the base of the tree, biting at the roots. The world tree can be climbed. It is from this tree that Odin hanged himself in sacrifice, making the world tree a gallows, and himself the gallows god. The gods do not climb the world tree. They travel between the worlds using Bevrust, the rainbow bridge. 
Only the gods can travel on the rainbow. It would burn the feet of any frost giants or trolls who attempted to clamber up it to reach Asgard. These are the nine worlds. Asgard, the home of the Aesir. This is where Odin makes his home. Alfheim, where the light elves live. The light elves are as beautiful as the sun or the stars. Nidaveller, which is sometimes called Svartalfheim, where the dwarfs, who are also known as dark elves, live beneath the mountains and build their remarkable creations. Midgard, which is the world of women and men, the world in which we make our home. Jotunheim, where the frost giants and the mountain giants wander and live and have their halls. Vanaheim, where the Vanir live. The Aesir and the Vanir are gods united by peace treaties, and many Vanir gods live in Asgard with the Aesir. Niflheim, the dark mist world. Muspel, the world of flame where Surtur waits. And there is the place named after its ruler, Hel, where the dead go who did not die bravely in battle. The last root of the world tree goes to a spring in the home of the gods, to Asgard where the Aesir make their home. Each day the gods hold their council here, and it is here that they will gather in the last days of the world before they set out for the final battle of Ragnarok. It is called the Well of Urd. There are three sisters, the Norns, who are wise maidens. They tend the well and make sure that the roots of Yggdrasil are covered with mud and cared for. The well belongs to Urd. She is fate and destiny. She is your past. With her are Verdandi. Her name means becoming. And hers is the present. And Skuld, whose name means that which is intended. And her domain is the future. The Norns will decide what happens in your life. There are other Norns, not just those three. Giant Norns and Elf Norns, Dwarf Norns and Vanir Norns, Good Norns and Bad. And what your fate will be is decided by them. Some Norns give people good lives and others give us hard lives or short lives or twisted lives. They will shape your fate there at Urd's Well. All right, so that's our first reading of... Uh, Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. And as you'll notice, we actually did two parts this week. And that's mostly because the second part was so short that I didn't want to tack it on to something completely unrelated. So not only did we get the, the sort of origin of the universe according to Norse lore, but we also got a little bit of the cosmology. And I think that that's good background for what comes later. I don't think that uh, the Kevin Crossley Holland actually did a story that incorporated the cosmology. That was part of the foreword of his book and was just given as background information. So, so it's nice in this case that uh, the game and put it there. One thing that I'm going to kind of nitpick a little bit on, and you probably caught it, especially those of you who are into the Norse lore, those pagans among you, um, to, to the Asatru who listen to the show, is what Gaiman did with the Nine Worlds. It's not as egregious as some of the changes that I've seen, but he did combine Nidaveller and Svartalfheim. And he did that in order to make Hell its own world. Now, I think if you look back at the 
other versions of the Norse mythology that we've covered, hell is kind of its own thing. It's it's kind of it, it's not connected really with anything else. Kind of like how Valhalla is not really connected with anything else either. Um, hell is the the coin flip of Valhalla. You die bravely in battle. You go to Valhalla. You die in bed, or or you die a coward, and you end up in hell. And so it's interesting that that Gaiman made that choice. I'm not sure why he felt obliged to make hell its own world. And I can't say that I necessarily agree with it in terms of the lore itself. I think it's pretty clear that, that hell's not one of the nine realms. <laughs> but, you know, hey, I mean, it's not as bad as Candy Cane Farms now, is it? All right. So, um, yeah, I think I've reached the end of this show. Uh, once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, if you're going to be at C2E2 this coming weekend, actually, by, by the time this comes out, C2E2 will have passed. Um, I will be there on Saturday. So, um, yeah, if anybody's out there, then uh, hopefully I will have met up with you. Yeah, it's f- well, funny how this wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing goes. But, uh, yeah, because I, I record a week ahead, uh, C2E2 is done by now. And I guess I'll give you a, a con report next time. All right. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge. Back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.